Hey guys, this is me. Did you move today? Hey guys, I have Carrie Collins um, as a guest on my podcast. Hey Carrie, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Perfect. Yeah, can you hear me now? Good. Yes, I can. Awesome. Perfect. So um, Chicago-based trainer Carrie Collins has worked for over 11 years to redefine the world uh, word flexibility using the revolutionary method Kihara, resistance stretching. Carrie explains how our muscles interact with each other in the brain to unlock tightness and release tension permanently. So I'm very excited to have you here, Carrie. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. So if you can tell uh, everyone a little bit more about um, yourself, I mean, I, I read a couple of sentences of your bio, but if you can just tell everybody uh, uh, your journey um, and how did you start it with uh, Kihara? Oh, sure. Gosh, it's, it's a long story. How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, any, the time that you need. Yeah. All right. I'll give you a few. Um, so basically, I, I started um, playing piano when I was about four years old and played professionally for 10 years through college, after college, and I pretty much ruined my shoulders in that process. So um, I was really searching everywhere for whatever methods would work to fix my shoulders because it was my career and I didn't really want to give it up. So um, I... I ended up trying so many things. I mean, I had all sorts of different methods. I even had my past lives read. I had like my chakras aligned. I did like everything humanly possible <laughs> to try to fix my shoulders. And then I just happened to come across a really interesting article. Uh, and this is about 2003. Um, it was an article about fascia and not very many people were talking about fascia back then. So, um, it was funny to come across it, you know, and you do your internet searches and you like go deep into the internet as you possibly can. I think that's how I found this article. But I was looking up ways to uh, to fix the pain that I was having in my jaw and my neck. I was having like TMJ issues. Mm-hmm. And this article said that if you stretched your quads, you could relieve pain in your jaw. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. And then I thought about it a little bit more and um, thought back on some problems that I had had with my body when I was a kid, um, when I grew too fast. I mean, I'm pretty, a 5'9", so, um, and I think I went from being like a four-year-old to being 5'9", in like one day. So I, um, <laughs> I think my, my bones grew really fast, but my muscles didn't really keep up. So it was like chronically tight, and my fascia was really tight. And I had this moment where my feet were like excruciatingly painful when I was like eight or nine years old. And um, and I really think that what was happening was that the fascia was just too tight. It was basically like, like wearing shoes that were way too small, you know, like the fascia in my feet was just pulling. So this article really um, resonated with me that like if my quads were tight and they were, and if, you know, the rest of my legs were tight, that that tension could go all the way up into my neck and that being kind of the end of the line um, would be where it hurt. So, uh, so we started looking for methods um, of stretching. And there aren't that many out there. So I just happened to be really lucky that there was a guy who lived just down the street from me. I mean, I could walk to him from my house. And um, he put an ad on Craigslist. And so I saw this ad on Craigslist. I was living in San Francisco in um, 2003. There, there wasn't a Craigslist killer yet. Like it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't that unsafe. So um, I went to his studio apartment and he stretched me on his dining room table. And we... Um, we really like unlocked a lot of stuff. And I, I went to see him about, I don't know, every two weeks for about three or four months. And my entire body changed. I mean, it was like noticeable. Like people would ask me like, what are you doing? You look completely different. Like you look amazing. I had abs for the first time in my life. Um, (laughs) I could touch my toes for the first time. And probably since I was like two years old and, um, it was kind of amazing to me. And then, of course, all the pain went away. My shoulders were fine. My neck was fine. Uh, and I felt such a huge relief um, psychologically as well. So that was kind of a huge change. And so I just kind of stuck with it. Um, like I said, that was just over a couple months in 2003. Um, and then I moved to Chicago. There weren't any trainers here. So it took a few years off of it and then realized that there was a, a big void and. um 
in this world of body work um, and that, you know, somebody needed to do it. So I might as well. So I transitioned from playing piano and teaching piano full time, which is a pretty good job to um, this career, which is also incredibly rewarding. So I got certified and have been working now for 11 years uh, on teaching the world about stretching in a safe way. Now, is the, the person that you found on, on Craigslist, was he um, a Kihara certified or was he? Uh... Yeah, he actually, um, well, the, the history of Kihara basically is that we all started working under a guy named Bob Cooley, who wrote a book called The Genius of Flexibility. It's a really amazing book. Um, he's an incredibly intelligent person. And, uh, and we worked with him for a few years. And then, like a lot of body work, modalities um once we figured out that we had something a little bit different then we switched into running kihara as our own business so this guy bjorn he is a um i believe meridian flexibility system was his what they called it at that time and um in 2008 we started kihara which is um basically his system worked with chinese medicine we've taken that piece out of it and we work basically on, on biomechanics work in the body yeah i was um i've been checking and reading your uh your website and mm -hmm. um about the key and hara uh-huh so key the circulating life energy uh-huh and hara the vital center of the self the vital center of the self yeah so that's that's the it's a uh, the next evolution of body work from what I can see here in the mm -hmm. in the website. Um, now, it, it in the website I, I read a little bit about mashing. Can you talk a little mashing? bit more about uh -huh. that, or how do you, um, you know, now that there's a lot of like things, um, you know, you were just talking about body work. So there's mm -hmm. yoga, there is dance, there is. Um, Pilates, there is like so many things. So what's so different? What's what's different in Kihara? Like, what can I find oh, in Kihara that I cannot find um, in other forms? Uh, I mean, for for the, all the yeah, for all the listeners. Uh, mm -hmm. The big thing, the most gigantic thing, is uh, resistance stretching, and that's. Um, Basically, the idea of resistance stretching is that when the muscle moves from long to short or from short to long, you're expanding and contracting the sarcomeres within the muscle fibers. So uh, there's an expansion and a contraction, right? And we use weights when we strength train. So if you're strength training and you lift a weight, you move it from like you take the muscle at its long position and you add the weight and you move up until you're completely flexed, right? And that's how people strength train. But we've kind of disassociated strength training and stretching by um, putting the weight machines in one side of the gym and having yoga class on the other side of the gym or like having the stretching section totally separate. But they're really just two sides of the same coin. So if you think about stretching, it's just the lowering phase of weight training. So you go from a short position of the muscle and you bring it to a long position. But what we do is we add weight to it. And when you do that, the way that the muscle fibers activate deep within those sarcomeres is different than how it activates when you're stretching statically, right? So um, what it ends up doing is building a stronger sarcomere. So you end up with more stable muscles from a cellular level than you would get from doing different types of stretching exercises. Um, static stretching in itself, which is like um, what you would do in gym class. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes what you do in yoga, although a lot of yoga is isometric, um, and if you're doing yoga in the right way, um, not overstretching your muscles, then it can be very safe, but it can also be really dangerous to do static stretching. So um, when we do active stretching, which is what resistance stretching is, it's a movement-based stretch with resistance or with a weight of some sort. So in our classes, you're using your own body to provide resistance or you're using um, gravity. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes that's good enough, but sometimes people also need to be assisted. So I also do assisted stretching sessions. And in a session, I'm actually pushing against the person while they're stretching or they're pushing against me. So um, I think that will kind of answer the question. Like the yeah. big piece is the yeah. resistance element. Yeah. There is, okay. 
Got it. Um, now, because I've tried, I, I tried Kihara with you, and that was like very, it was super interesting. Like for <laughs> me, it was super interesting. Um, and you know, coming from a dance da- dancer and yoga background, I was just like, oh wow, it kind of like amazed me. Oh, it amazed me, and I was like, well, what's what's about Kihara that you know made me feel different? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, I guess. I guess my I, I'm I'm so fascinated about how you started as a uh, professional uh, musician and then you transition into um, body work and Kihara, especially specifically mm-hmm. Kihara. So how did that? How did you learn all all that from you know from become from being a professional musician to now a mm-hmm. professional in body work? Like It's- how How can you, because I know there's a lot of, you know, um, there's dancers or yogis or musicians and like just people out there that are interested about movement mm-hmm. and interested about knowing how to get there, how to, how to transition. Uh, and, and to see that someone like you did it, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, it's really funny. Um that you bring that up because so many people ask me like, how did you get into this? And I tell them I threw my shoulders out playing the piano and they look at me like I'm crazy. Like (laughs) you can do that playing the piano. And it's like, yeah, you can totally do that. When you get to a certain level with dance or with music, um, with an instrument, with, um, with anything, it's not that much different than being a professional athlete. If you think about it, um, I am, I would practice, five to six hours a day sometimes. Um, I was playing easily, you know, I would say 40 hours a week I was playing the piano. So uh, you train the same way that you would train for, for, an, for a sport, really. You train your strength, right? You train endurance, you train agility. Um, it's just with really small muscles, right? Yeah. So it's not really that much different than an athlete. So like to transition from like, if I would have been like a, uh, like my mentor, Ann Tierney, who's um, kind of the big boss of Kihara, she was a, an all-star basketball player. Nobody questions her when it's like, well, how did you get into this? I mean, it's a natural progression from like a high level athlete to working in this field, but people don't really think of musicians as being high level athletes and really they are, but it's just on a different level to get um, at a different degree right yeah no and I and I, I do agree with what yeah. you said um because even you know as a dancer there's people that don't think about like dancers are athletes or like it's more like when you're a ballet dancer oh that's so cute but oh wow it takes a lot of, you know it takes a lot of agility and like, things going on in and it's body. all a degree like if you're taking like a ballet class because you think it's fun that's one thing but if you're like at the Joffrey and you know, like your feet are all torn up. Like it, there's a total difference in the, um, in the degree. Right. So it's kind of fascinating, but even then from a business perspective, uh, my business model as a pianist was that I would play the piano and share my expertise with people for a certain amount of time. And they would pay me for my time and we'd do scheduling and, you know, like get everything set up exactly right. And so they would come in, I'd give them my brain, and then they'd leave, right? Yeah. And it's not that much different with Kihara. The only difference is that um, physical, but the business model is exactly the same. So it was actually a really interesting transition in that way, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's so, it, it is so interesting. I'm, I'm even thinking right now as, um, you know, from, from dancer background, how um, a lot of dancers get into physical therapy after being injured. After, oh, you know, yeah. or just like Pilates. Yeah. Pilates is a big one for dancers too. Yeah. Well, it was, sure. yeah, no, it was actually created by Joseph Pilates who mm-hmm. the, the whole point was for, to rehabilitate, um, uh, dancers, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Um, wow. That's, that's so interesting. So how, what, what would you tell someone if, if they want to start trying Kihara? Because I know there's, you are the only one here in Chicago that offers Kihara. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's um, just, just do it. Like that's, I think so many people are terrified of stretching, right? People don't know what to expect. This is something new and different. They don't know how their body is going to handle it. But I can tell you, I've had people in my class who have walked in here with a cane who walk out without it. 
I mean, it, it's a pretty simple process. It doesn't have to be intense. It can be if you want it to, uh, but it's very simple. It's very easy. It's when it's done correctly, it's not painful at all. So um, just try it. And you really, I mean, I don't think I've had a single person who's come in here who's, who hasn't been pretty shocked at what they, um, what they feel or what they experience. Um, mainly just because it's a, a way of getting in touch with your body in a completely different way than you would in a fitness class. It's very therapeutic, I think. I mean, without it being therapy therapy, I can't technically call it therapy because it's body work, but. Yeah. Now, do you think that, uh, this is more like a general question. Um, is there such thing as alignment? Alignment? Alignment. Yeah. So you know how in a lot of classes, um, um, yoga classes more so or, or just like you know I can talk about yoga or, or dance because that's mm -hmm. that's our math so um I've noticed that a lot of um teachers talk about alignment like oh uh, like front... proper alignment. yes and yeah. so um what are your thoughts on that do you think <laughs> that there's such thing as alignment I mean if I'm standing up then I'm in some sort of alignment or if I'm in a pose I'm in some sort of alignment but should I fix somebody when they're in a pose or when they're standing up? Um, no, I don't agree with that. So um, I don't actually agree with, with any sort of adjustments to an end pose at all, mainly because the end pose is just a small piece of the puzzle. And the way that I think about it is that like, say someone like in yoga class, say someone was mm -hmm. doing downward dog. Once they're in downward dog, it's too late to make any changes. Like once they're in the final, like stretched out far as they can go position, it's too late. So as yoga instructors go in and make these changes, like they're not actually changing the problem. They're changing um, how that person is in that pose, which is fine and can give some relief or make them more strong or stable in that pose. But in my opinion, the problem is getting from the back to the front. So mainly what I'm looking at is how is their body reacting from the starting position into the final position of the pose and how does it get out of it, right? It's really functional when you think of it that way because nobody hangs out in yoga poses unless you're in yoga class, right? It's all about what you do in between the motions and that's what we focus on in Kihara. It's all about the um, going from the short position of the muscle to the long position of the muscle and back and forth, which is really protective. I want to make sure that people can get out of any position that they're in very easily. So like even, um, this is kind of getting off the question, but like if someone was doing the splits, one of our big um, rules with Kihara is that any position that you get into, you need to be able to get out of using the muscles that you're stretching. So if someone were to go into the splits, they'd need to be able to push themselves out of the splits with those muscles, which is not usually what people can do. I mean, it's actually really, really complicated. So um, it's a safety thing. It's kind of like if someone threw a ball at me at full force and I went to catch it, would I be able to stop the ball and throw it back at them or would it rip my arm off, right? Mm. So when I'm thinking about like the end poses in, in like a yoga class or, um, or like a Pilates class, if they're cueing people to do certain things with their bodies and they can do that consciously, can they do it subconsciously? I guess that's my big question is like, It's okay if you can do it consciously, but then what happens when you're not in class, when you don't have that teacher telling you what to do? What happens when you're at the grocery store or when you're playing with your kids or when you're um, dancing like at a concert? What, um, what's your alignment doing then, right? And that really comes down to muscle balancing and muscle activation, how your brain's talking to your muscles, which is something we really work on in Kihara and at making sure everything's firing properly. And when it does, then your alignment just happens naturally. So I really want like subconscious alignment as opposed to conscious alignment. Does that make sense? It does, 100%. Yeah. I think I just got, I had that aha moment when you're like, okay, I just did too. Do the split. <laughs> yeah, no, when you like doing this, I'm actually, after the podcast, I'm gonna try to do the splits and then see if I can just come back. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, you know, and, and I was reading about, I think I was reading an article, or I cannot remember if I, I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about um, how I think it, someone was talking about yoga, but they were just saying, um, this person was saying, 
when you do warrior two, you're actually practicing to become better in that specific pose. That's it. Nothing else. So it's warrior two and warrior two, and that's it. Nothing else. You're not going to get anything else out of that right. besides warrior two. Right. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, kind of like same thing with repetitions when I do like a first position in ballet. I'm just going to get better at my first position in ballet. I'm not going to get better at – I'm not going to go outside and walk uh, on the street in first position in ballet. So it's right. not um, – and I've seen like how in yoga and in dance, um, this is just my personal opinion, we use a lot of external rotation right? Um, and not so much internal rotation. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that and why is that? Um, well, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of looseness in the groin and tension in the back of the hips and the glutes especially that pulls you into external rotation. And then um, when you try to do internal rotation, those muscles in the front are so overstretched that uh, they actually can't contract. Does that make sense? It does. So instead of getting that, um, they've lost their elasticity, if that, if that kind of makes sense too. Like you don't want your muscles to lose their elasticity. It's like having a hairband that doesn't have elastic in it. Or like one of the examples I give in class all the time is that if I held my waistband of my pants every day for two or three minutes, then what happens to your pants? Like you go to put them on and they fall off and that defeats the purpose of pants. So you have this like, this complete lack of stability in your muscles. So I think when you're doing a lot of external rotation, it almost happens naturally that you get this very strong posterior chain through your glutes in the back of your hamstrings, but very loose in the inner thighs and it causes this imbalance, if that makes sense. It does, it does. Yeah. And, and now that, that, now that you mentioned um, I don't know why I just thought right away and flexibility um, and, and in your website, it, you know, it, the Kihara method is a true definition of the word flexibility. Yes. Um, and I think uh, the more that I, the more I read about it, um, there is this, um, I guess, misconception of what flexibility is. Right. Um, and I've seen a lot of um, Instagram videos or just, um, in social media in general, people talking about uh, the word flexibility versus mobility mm -hmm. and how, um, and, and then some people say, well, mobility is the way to go. <laughs> so I, I have, you know, I want I would like to know what are your thoughts on that? Is it, is mobility better than flexibility? And the second right. question is what's true flexibility? Um, right. And I've so the question really is like, what are, I'm sorry, what are the definitions of the two? So like, if I'm defining flexibility as what I believe it is, and if you're defining flexibility as what you believe it is, those can be two different things. I think people have completely different ideas of what that is. I think what the general population thinks flexibility is, is having extreme ranges of motion, right? Yeah. So if, um, if we're talking about range of motion versus true flexibility, that's the way I like to think about it. Um, range of motion would be how far you can move your body like if you were just moving your arm in one direction or the other, it would kind of be like where your proprioception is, where you feel safe moving in space. A lot of the training out there right now for what they call flexibility training is like increasing your range of motion, which is increasing this ability for you to just get into a pose or to get into a position. But, um, oh, sorry, I don't know if you can hear the noise. I'm right outside of Lollapalooza right now. <laughs> it's totally fine. I, I, yeah, yeah I'm, I, um, I know it's crazy. Right now, everything is crazy in the city. So there's a fest too going on. But, yeah, it's fine. I just want my, everything to be as raw as possible at the time. Yeah, so the, um, the range of motion, when we think about that, is, uh, in my opinion, is not necessarily a healthy thing if you don't have the ability to pull out of that range of motion. It's the same thing as I was talking about with the splits. Yeah. So when I define flexibility, I think of what the word actually originates from. So if you think about the root of the word is flex, and when I ask somebody what it means to flex, they almost automatically bend their elbows and like do like the muscle man stretch, and like flex yeah. your muscles. They, when you tell someone to flex their muscles, they fold them. They contract their muscles, they fold the joint, right? So if you take the word flexibility and think about it, then you could say the real definition of flexibility is the ability to fold, right? The ability to bend. And so I think even if you look it up in the dictionary, it might say that. Like I, I'm trying to think 
it, what dictionary I may have pulled that out of, but it's really the ability to bend. So it, flexibility has nothing to do with how far you can go into a stretch. It has more to do with where you can bend at your joints and if you can bend them easily or not. So like when I think of uh, touching your toes, for instance, um, if I'm gonna touch my toes, I'm not necessarily thinking about my hamstring stretching. I'm thinking about my hip flexor shortening. I'm thinking about like that ability to fold. And I'm not actually activating my hip flexors to shorten. I'm not doing that mentally. I'm just folding over and my body will naturally do it. So the muscles in my hamstrings will lengthen. The muscles in my hip flexors will shorten. But if I don't have the flexibility or that ability to fold, then I'll bend over to touch my toes and I won't be able to touch them. Mm -hmm. So what you basically have to do is rebuild elasticity in your muscles so that the muscles in the front, like in your hip flexors and your quads, will actually shorten and do that passively or without, um, without conscious thought. And then your hamstrings naturally will stretch. But I think a lot of people try to stretch. They do all these crazy exercises, these crazy things that they find on YouTube or whatever that's a increasing your range of motion and they end up hurting themselves because they're getting into a place where their, their muscles are overstretched and, um, and they're not necessarily able to protect themselves from being hurt. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. Of- it does. And so, so that's why you add um, resistance. Exactly. Yeah. Which goes back to kind of like what I was telling you about the, like getting a baseball thrown at you, right? Yeah. If, if the baseball gets thrown at you and you've trained your body to be super flexible and someone throws a baseball really fast at you, you're going to dislocate your shoulder. Like that's, if you don't have the ability to stop that pose. And it's sort of like with the splits um, analogy also, like if you were, um, if you're going into the splits and you don't have the ability to stop yourself, then you run the risk of pulling something or tearing something or doing really severe damage. So, um, I had a, an incident actually once when I was, um, you know, Chicago, and it was winter, and there was a thin sheet of ice on the ground and a layer of snow over that, which is like the kiss of death. And I bit it so hard on the ice that people actually stopped to see if I needed an ambulance. I mean, it wasn't even like, are you okay? They were like, do you want us to call 911? I was like, I think I'm all right. But basically what happened is that I slid so dramatically that I went into this like crazy positioning but I was pretty trained in Kihara and um, my body had the ability to slow me down and get me into a fall that made sense. So I didn't hurt myself. And I got up and walked away like nothing had happened. I think I had a bruise, you know, it was like not Mm -hmm. a big deal. So, um, you know, you kind of have to think like, what would happen if you slid on the ice? Could you stop yourself? What would happen if you were in a pair of ice, like roller skates and you started to do the splits? Could you pull yourself up out of it? How far could you go? Well, then that's your true flexibility. It's Ooh. not if you, I mean, a dancer, I see dancers all the time who can get into like a deep split, but can't pull themselves back out of it. And basically what they do is they get in, like they're stretching one muscle. And then if they just rotate a little bit, they can go a little deeper. And if they rotate a little bit, they can get a little deeper. So you're basically like full, like, um, tricking your muscles into getting you into that position, but you don't actually have one strong muscle that can pull you out of it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does a hundred percent. It does. Um, it does. And yes, uh, you, the flexibility, according to, um, I guess, Google, it's the quality of bending easily without breaking. Yeah. Yes. That's what I see. Um, and now the word mobility, the ability to move or be moved freely and easily. Yes. Yeah. Which I would consider two in the same, right? Or I guess yes. one the same. Yeah. Because real flexibility and mobility are the same thing in my book. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. 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 That totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, okay. Um, what are your favorite moves? My favorite moves? Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, there are a couple that are pretty amazing. There's, um, there's a hip flexor lunge that we do. I actually have a YouTube video on it. That's, um, it's for runners basically like how to, how to get their gait in the right place and um, train their psoas in the right way. But, um, it's a, a hip flexor lunge. So you basically go into like a runner's lunge, but you can track both legs together. So like if my, if I'm lunging with my right leg behind and my left leg in the front, then I'm pulling my right leg in. Like I'm trying to kick my knee towards my chest and my left leg pulls back towards my body. So like both legs are scissoring in 
And, uh, and as you pull yourself in and out of the lunge, you feel the hip flexor so deeply that like sometimes I can feel it all the way from my femur through my abdomen up into even my diaphragm. It's the most amazing psoas release that, um, that I've ever found. And I feel like everyone's trying to get their psoases to work. I'm like, just do this. Like there's, there are entire books on it. And I'm like, all you have to do is this two minute stretch and you'll be fine. So, um, that's one that I love, love, love. And then there's another one for the back of your shoulders. Um, that's just like, uh, like if you put your arm in an L shape and like just right in front of your face, like if you were going to do like a pec deck and grab the outside of your elbow and pull it across your body and just keep resisting the whole time between your arm and your, between both arms, like you're trying to pull your arms apart, you move in and out of that stretch. It really wraps through the back of the shoulder and then through the back of your arm. And that's also a really beautiful one. I think those are some of my favorites. I think I'm trying that as you are, as you're talking and I'm <laughs> Did like, I demonstrate okay. it enough. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, well, I think I'm doing it, but I don't know. I, I would like, I, I'm, I'll, I'll make sure to watch that YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. I will have to put a video up. Yeah. Cause it's, um, it, they're so good. The hip flexor one especially is really, um, really a great one and pretty profound for people for sure. Now, um, I have a, um, Quick question. So when I was doing my uh, certification to become a yoga instructor, and you know that before that I was, um, I was um, still dancing, but that, that's how I got into yoga. Mm-hmm. And so um, I realized that I was very passionate about dance. And yes, I liked yoga a lot. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, what's the difference between dance and yoga? And so I decided uh, at the end of the, the year, we have uh, to present, present a thesis, but it's, it's more like a presentation because a thesis will be a lot of research and, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word thesis. Right, um, you don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like quote unquote thesis. That, that's just the name, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a presentation. Um, and I talked about, um, say, well, the name of my, of my presentation was same movement, different intention. Hmm. And the idea behind that was just that we only have one body mm-hmm. and so only I can only move a certain way. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting to me. It was fascinating how we keep um, adding names and diff- specific poses. Mm-hmm. So do you think that we can only move a certain way based on our bodies? Um, meaning that we can keep increasing our range of motion and just like, um, I guess my question is if you think that all the physical disciplines at the end of the day they bring you to the same thing do they or don't they mm-hmm. that's interesting I, um, I would say oh, that's a hard one I mean in my opinion or I guess what I'm aiming for is to get my body back to the most pure that it was in the beginning of time, right? Like that's, yeah. it's kind of dramatic, but that's, um, that's kind of the theory or the, the ideal goal. But I mean, it's obviously not going to happen. I'm not going to get my body back to the amount of purity that it had when I was like an infant because we build compensation patterns that are safe for us over time. But um, like one compensation pattern is learning to walk, right? Like you, you learn that you can stand up and then you learn that if you follow, like if you lean one way, you're going to fall over. And then eventually you learn that you put your foot in front to keep you from falling over. And then eventually you can walk, right? Yeah. Or like riding a bike is a compensation pattern. Like you get on the bicycle and you lean to the right and you fall over. So then when you get back on the bike, you learn that when you lean to the right, you better lean to the left and then you fall over. And then you learn that you lean to the right, you lean to the left, you lean to the right. And then eventually you're in a straight line. And those compensation patterns stick with us forever. So um, that's why people never learn, like they never forget how to ride a bike. Like you can, they, you know, they're saying it's like, it's like riding a bike, you just get back on it and it's, and your body automatically knows how to do that, right? Once you learn to walk, you don't forget to walk, right? So those compensation patterns are good, but you get to a point where compensation patterns aren't good for you anymore. So um, like, 
you know, I learned to ride a bike and that was great, but then I fell off my bike and like in a bad way. So like that compensation pattern happened that was more like an accident type compensation pattern or you get into a car accident or um, your heart gets broken somebody dies or you know there are all these things that happen whether they're emotional or physical that create tension in your body as a protective mechanism right mm-hmm. so with um with any type of body work basically what i'm trying to do is to remove compensation patterns as they come up right and i think a lot of people are going into physical fitness in a way that they're actually building more compensation patterns. Like they're almost like injuring themselves to get stronger. Right. Yes. Those are building more compensation patterns. It's a big problem I see uh, in this fitness industry, especially with young kids right now, like in the people in their twenties that are going crazy with these really intense workouts um, and getting really injured. But that's a side, that's a totally, a, I'm going on a tangent, but um, any type of body work, you're basically trying to pull yourself out of these compensation patterns, you're healing yourself, right? So then the ultimate goal would be to be able to function without any compensation patterns that are negative for you, I guess. So I, I think to answer your question, like, that's what we're all aiming for. Now, how you get there is completely different. Like for me, I go to yoga to, uh, to see where my body's at, you know, to test my range, to see where I'm comfortable in my body, what poses I can get in and out of, and sometimes just to challenge myself to do something different. But I also go to yoga to like take out mental tension for my body because sometimes I'm just tight because I'm stressed out. It might not have anything to do with the fact that I have a problem in my muscle or that, um, you know, that I did something bad or that, you know, I'm just chronically tight in one place. Like it could be because life is stressful sometimes. And we put that in our bodies as a protective, protective mechanism. So yoga helps to open that kind of stuff up for me, uh, for sure. Pilates, I feel like it builds a lot of strength for me um, and also tests what my body can do. Uh, But with Kihara, I'm really very specifically searching for compensation patterns. I'm trying to figure out if my muscles are talking to my mind. And you can tell that right away based off of what the muscles um, signaling to you. And I think you felt that in class too, right? Yes. um, When you're in a class with Kihara, what you're doing is... um, I give you the stretch, you work in and out of that stretch, and then you're feeling for a couple things. Um, the big thing you're feeling for is if you actually feel the stretch in the right place that you're supposed to feel it. Because sometimes people will feel it completely different. Sometimes they won't feel it at all. Sometimes they'll feel pain. Sometimes they'll cramp up. Um, but sometimes it feels awesome. And if the stretch feels awesome, it means that your body is balanced in the right way to do that stretch. And if your body's not balanced in the right way to do that stretch, then Um, you need to do something completely different. We need to stretch something else. We need to build elasticity in another muscle so that you can fold to get into that stretch. So um, I think sometimes when we do, when we do these poses that, you know, when you think like, is your body, can everybody's body move the same way? Or I forget how you phrase the question, but um, it really depends on where your compensation patterns are. And so as long as we're removing those compensation patterns, then yes, I think everybody's body can move very similar or like yeah did I get too much off hand no 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 I think it's uh no it's great I, I just kept um I was writing and thinking okay. at the same time that you were just like um answering no but that was the, the yeah that was awesome I, yeah it's um it totally makes sense to me now um what, what you just said um and and I was thinking about that mental tension uh, you know that when I go to yoga, I remember when we were talking the other day and you were like, yeah, when I go to yoga, it's to release like, like a mental, mental tension or things are, you know, going on in my life or whatnot. Um, I remember exactly how you said it, but something like that, something along those lines. Yeah. I don't really believe that, um, from, from my experience and you know, this is obviously like people have different experiences, but in my experience, yoga has never been able to increase my flexibility. Uh, so I don't really think of it as a way of increasing flexibility. I think of it as a way to test your um, proprioception, right? Yes. A way to test where you feel safe in space. And um, from, I got a um, really interesting anecdote from the, uh, there's a book called The Science of Yoga. I forget who wrote it, but it's a good one. Uh, the guy talks about, uh, oh gosh, did I just lose my train of thought? 
the, oh, he talks about this like um, relaxation response. So basically you get into the position in yoga and you, you get to a point where you start to feel uncomfortable, right? You feel this like level of discomfort. It doesn't have to be like to the point where you feel like you're going to pull something, right? But you get to a point where your body's like, okay, that's all I can do. And basically what happens is that the muscle sense, uh, there's a, a sensory organ at the end of each tendon. It's called the Golgi tendon organ. And that sends a signal to your brain that says, hey, knock it off, this is dangerous. And then the brain sends a signal to the muscle to contract. So it's you know, a reflex response. So the muscle contracts, you're in this pose, um, and then you just kind of hang out there for a while. And they tell you in yoga to you know, breathe through the pain, be with the pain, focus on what you feel, you know, kind of pay attention to this, um, being aware of your body, right? And, um, and eventually, the relaxation response overrides that contraction response, and you can go a little bit deeper into the pose. So um, to me, that's how this, like, it's getting that relaxation response that releases my mental tension. And the only way to do that is for me to quiet my mind enough to actually allow it to happen. So I have to stop thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner or what somebody said today or, you know, who I'm mad at or who I have a crush on. Like all of those things have to leave my head for that to happen. And so then you end up in this very meditative state and it's almost like meditating for your body. So that's kind of the way I think about yoga. Kihara um, is way different. It's, you know, you're, you're really focusing specifically on exactly what your body's doing, exactly what kind of sensations you're feeling. And then, um, and letting them respond accordingly, you know, stretching them in a way that feels really good. But it, there's not a lot of like that idea of releasing mental tension, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, more, it's like purely physical tension. And it, it does make sense because um, I remember the conversation that we had and then I went to you, I went to, you know, I was just practicing and then I'm like, oh, when I started to do yoga, it was because I wanted to be more relaxed, but not necessarily with my body. But yeah. more so, I wanted to be calm and aware of what was going on with my life and whatnot. So it totally like clicked after mm -hmm. after I spoke to you about that. Um, now, the science of yoga. I think I just found it. It's William J. Broad. Is that the one that? You... That sounds right. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's so that's the one that I was. I, I just checked that. The science of yoga: the risks and the rewards. Yeah, really a good read, especially if you're um, if you're doing yoga on a regular basis. I think there's a lot there's a lot of questions that people have. There's a lot of questions about certain types of training. There's things that people need to be really aware of, because um, I like yoga a lot, but I've been hurt doing it before, and I know a lot of people come into my studio who have been hurt, and you really need to know. You, I mean, I really think that it's important to know what's going on, and um, I think it's also like. I guess <laughs> you do this to be like my um, critique of yoga podcast, but that there are some issues that come up when it comes to flexibility training. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are using yoga to get more flexible. They think that's what it's supposed to be for. And, um, and they get into these poses and they push themselves mm -hmm. so hard trying to get deeper into the pose, thinking that it's helping them when in fact like, it could actually be hurting them. So um, yeah, I think it's a good read. Perfect. I'll make I'll make sure to 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 check it to check it mm -hmm. out for sure. Um, yeah, and I've seen that about like pushing, 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 um, mm -hmm. like even students pushing their bodies to see where like how or even dancers and gymnasts like how oh, yeah. far how far can yeah. how far can I go? Can I just go even deeper? Yeah, you can't even imagine the horror stories I've heard. I mean, the people. I don't know if you were telling me this. Um, it might not have been you. It's so many times dancers or um, gymnasts specifically will come in here with trauma. Like I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And when I work on, um, when I work on clients individually, the same kind of patterns come out and the, um, the patterns that come out with dancers and gymnasts sometimes are like the same kind of patterns I would get with somebody who has like post-traumatic stress or abuse in their bodies. Mm. And so as I start to ask them, I'm like, well, did something happen? And they're like, I don't really know. I was like, did you ever pull this hamstring? Did you have a, an accident? Did something, you know, did something really severe happen? And they're like, I don't think so. And then we'll be doing the stretch and it'll all of a sudden come to them because the stretch actually will trigger the memory. They'll be like, oh my gosh, I was at this, um, I was at this 
class and we would do this thing when I was a kid where we would lay on the floor with our hamstrings up and someone would run across the room and run into our hamstring to try to stretch it further. I mean, they would literally like football players, like run straight at their hamstrings and like try to stretch it into the splits. Carrie, I think that, I think that, sorry to interrupt you. I think that we talked about that because I remember when I was in gymnastics at the end of the day, like around 930, um, uh-huh. everybody had to go into a squat and the teacher will go like, okay, one, two, three, breathe. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, you know, like, I remember that, that was the, the, huh. before leaving, you know, after class, it was just like, okay, one, two, three, exhale. And I just yeah. felt my legs like, Okay, it's just rip in half, right? Yeah, it's enough. I mean, I yeah. see those patterns. I mean, I have people that come into me um, for hip pain, for you know, all sorts of issues that they've got, and they, most of the time it's hip pain or low back pain, um, and those kind of things come up where they've got scar tissue like high in their groin, again, like you know, like right at the point where the hamstrings meet the pelvis. Um, lots of scar tissue there, and that's. Um, it's abuse, in my opinion. It's complete abuse. But it's what people have been doing for years and years and years. And, you know, your teachers did it to you. You know, like, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if you were teaching a group of kids and you're like, and now we're going to do this because that's what you were taught and that's what your teachers were taught. It's, um, but, oh, my gosh, it's, you're ripping people's hamstrings in half. And when they're kids, like, you have so much human growth hormone that they might be sore for a day and then they're fine, right? Like, it, their yeah. body recovers so fast and then they can do the splits and that's great but they've also got scar tissue like it's not a good thing so I don't know I'm a little passionate about it no no I I love it um I love it do you think that there's um um that movement in science do you think that movement in science cannot be separated no they can't be separated not at all the problem is is that everything that we have is theory I mean what's tricky about it is that um (laughs) to actually get the to get any kind of like scientific formula or what's the word I'm looking for like if you're going to do an experiment and you want to follow that procedure what's the word I can't remember anyway you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. um it's there's so many variables when you're talking about muscles that it's almost impossible to get a clear uh, to get a clear representation so like if I wanted to do a, a scientific study on Kihara uh, if I even did like hamstrings and I could say like over the course of this many people, their ham- you know, so many hamstrings opened up and so many didn't like the variables around it are so big because of the compensation patterns. Everybody's coming in with their experience all through life and it's a protective mechanism. So, uh, you know, it would almost like be saying that all these people would react the same way to the same kind of like, mental issue right like everybody has their own things that come up so like if you had a problem that you gave someone um from a mental standpoint like how they should react to someone at work like every single person in the room will have a different response on how they should react well your muscles are kind of the same way they um they respond according to how your body has learned over the course of time so it's kind of impossible to prove or to know exactly what's going on with muscles because we just haven't quite figured out how to, how to do that yet, right? Yeah. Plus they're responsive. So like if I put a probe into a muscle, the muscle's going to respond to that probe, right? So it's, um, and you can't really look at a muscle in a cadaver because they're, they're not active at all. So like, it's really, you know, it's neuromuscular work more than anything. So it's like we're, yeah, we're working on brains, right? That's, that's kind of the big thing. So I don't know. It's, um, no, you can't separate it from science, but it's also like, like exploring the depths of the ocean. Like it's too broad. There's too much. We just haven't even touched the surface yet. So, I mean, I think really like the people who are, are doing the best work are, are people, I mean, I hate to say like me, I don't want to, you know, pat my own back, but, um, but the body workers that are out there because we're able to, to create theories and work on, um, on clients on a regular basis and experiment and do, um, do all kinds of cool stuff to figure out, like, how can we solve these problems? And, um, and I feel like science just isn't there yet. I mean, you know, too, cause you go to the doctor and the doctor sends you to, you know, physical therapy and you go to physical therapy for so long, but then when your insurance runs out, they kick you out and you're not really fixed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or, and I try everything. Acupuncture. Then right, yeah. like the doctor doesn't really know what to do. So the next thing you know, you're in surgery and you know, like it's, people are looking for quick fixes a lot for their muscular pain or for their um, structural pain. But 
I really think there are other answers and we just kind of haven't explored that part of the ocean yet, you know? Thank you for that. Carrie, I have two more questions for you. Um, those are two questions that I always ask at the end of my podcast. The first one is, did you move today? Did I? Yeah, we already had stretching class today. Great. Mm-hmm. And the second one is, what's movement for you? Oh my gosh. Movement. I mean, it's, yeah, moving my body in a great way. I don't need to do, it's like functional. I just need to get up and be myself. And if I can move around and be myself, I'm happy. If I'm in pain, I can't be myself. It's not okay. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie, is there anything else that you would like to share um, with the listeners? Yeah, actually, I, um, I just put together a workshop that's coming up here in Chicago on um, Sunday. Do you have a calendar in front of you? I think it's the 26th. The 26th, yeah. I saw that on your Instagram post. Yeah, Yeah, we just announced it. It's going to be a really amazing, heart-opening workshop. We're going to work on um, muscles that help open up your chest around the heart chakra and uh, really opening up the front of your body. And we're going to correspond with art therapists. I'm in the Fine Arts Building here in Chicago, and there are... um, there's so many cool people doing cool things. So it's, I'm so excited to collaborate with the studio Thrive Arts uh, Therapy, Thrive Art Therapy. They are, um, we're going to do a little bit of art in the beginning based off of unconditional love. Um, do some talking around that, come in and do a bunch of stretching. And then we're going to go back to the art therapy and see if our art changes or how it develops um, once our bodies are more opened up. It's really like a mind down and body up um, at the same time kind of um, kind of workshop. So it should be really, really fun. So that one um, is August 26th. It's from two to five. And uh, the early bird rate's $50. So you just go to my website, stretchtree.com, and sign up. I think by the 16th is our early bird day uh, to sign up for that workshop. So it should be really cool. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. I know. You have to do another one after that. I that's will. That's the day that sure. I'm not going to be, that I told you I'm not going to be here. But right, it's August yeah. 26, 2 to 5 at mm-hmm. 410 South Michigan, right? Yep. Perfect. Um, where can we find you online? Like Instagram, where do you hang out the most? Yeah, I'm on them all. Um, Instagram is um, Carrie Stretch Chi, and it's Carrie like the scary movie, C-A-R-R-I-E, Stretch Chi. Uh, that's my Instagram. I'm on Facebook also on Stretch Chi. Um, Twitter is Stretch Chi. The, um, I've got a YouTube page. Um, you might need to look that up, but it should be either Stretch Chi or Carrie Collins. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't know. It, there's a lot of them, you know, all the social medias. Perfect. All of them. And then, of course, my website. And, um, and I keep a pretty active blog where I, I talk a lot about um, kind of a, a whole mind-body routine. So I, there's anti-inflammatory diet information. There's uh, meditations. Uh, there's a whole set of stretching routines that you can do online. Uh, there are um, articles about, you know, just lifestyle issues. So there's a whole lot of stuff on there on stretchchi.com. Perfect. I'm trying to, uh, I think I'm going to read that grocery list. I, I have it on my, um, <laughs> on my, on my to-do list. I'm like, I have to read that. I have to read it. Oh, that's like, yeah. like three seconds to read it. Yeah. yeah. It's not too- I, I, that's something that I like, really, I really need to read. <laughs> I really want to read that. Um, but thank you very much, uh, for your time, Carrie. I really learned a lot in this 53 minutes. Um, and so, uh, thank you again for your time and guys, if you have any questions, feel free to, um, contact Carrie, um, or if you want to go ahead and try Kihara, I would totally recommend that. Um, so thank you very much, Carrie. And if you haven't moved today, I hope that you move today. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Andrea.